Hello, podcast people. It's Ophira. Guess what? We're hitting the road again, and this time, Michigan, we're coming for you. Ask Me Another is going to be at the Ann Arbor Summer Festival on Thursday, June 26th. So get your tickets now. Just head over to amatickets.org. And if you want to take a spin in the puzzle hot seat and be a contestant, just send us an email to askmeanother at npr.org. Do it. From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for this next hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. And we know that you love radio. But what kind of television watcher are you? Do you binge watch? Hate watch? Do you even own a television? Our VIP has spent more time in front of the television than anyone, and you know what? Her eyes are just fine. It's New Yorker TV critic Emily Nussbaum. And now let's give it up for the man who is even better in reruns, our one-man house band, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Hello, everybody. So our first game is called This Means Wiki War. Please welcome to the stage our contestants, Amelia Golini and Monica Taylor. So as you both may know, one of the great things about Wikipedia is that anyone can edit a Wikipedia page, which is also one of the most horrible things about Wikipedia, right? That anyone can edit it. So you are both big readers, as I understand. Monica, I love Excel spreadsheets. I love them. I love people that make them. I like making them, but I know that you have made one of the most impressive ones. All the books that you have read over how many years? Um, I started in 1991. A gasp. There was a gasp. (laughs) No, I I always read a lot, and people wanted, you know, recommendations, so I started writing them down, and I bowl the ones I like, so I have tabs all all through the years. And uh, how many do you read a year, roughly? When my kids were young, I read maybe 15, and I was working full-time, but now I read about 40 or 50. 40 or 50 a year? Yeah. Oh, so what's the problem? <laughs> Why are we at 100? No, that's amazing. Amelia, you just started a book club? Yes, Speaking I of did. books, what is the theme? Uh, we don't really have a theme. We actually take turns choosing the book and who gets to host. So we've had some hits and some misses. Somebody yeah. picked a romance novel. That was really awkward to talk about. Um, <laughs> Why? How romantic was it? it went, well, it wasn't like... It was a little bodice rippery and uh, <laughs> just not well written. And okay. I don't want to shame who picked it, but sure, it was not sure. me. Sure, okay. <laughs> so in this game, we're going to quiz you about the subjects of long-running wiki wars, in which the proponents for each side of the issue constantly edit the article to fit their opinion. So I'll give you the clues to the subjects of various Wikipedia edit wards, and you tell me what is being fought over. So for an example, let's go to our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. John? If we said, after listening to this band's hit song, Hotel California, for the thousandth time, we still can't figure out if the band has the word the in its name. The band we're looking for is Eagles. And for the record, no, it does not have a the, it's just Eagles. Ring in, and the winner will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here we go. Depending on who you ask, this tasty dish made with romaine lettuce, croutons, and Parmesan cheese was named after a Roman emperor or a Los Angeles restaurant owner. What's the dish? Monica. Caesar salad. That is correct. And the best sources say, of course, that the recipe was created by... Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. No, that is wrong. (laughs) 
Rome wasn't incorrectly credited in one day. Um, it was the uh, it was the LA restaurateur Caesar Cardini. Who and who was he named after? That is a good point. Right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody, dial up Wikipedia. <laughs> That's right. Right. If we go way back, if we keep following this all I feel the like way, I'm going to join all these edit wars when we're done. <laughs> Editors have debated whether or not it's appropriate to feature a picture of a gigantic tarantula on the Wikipedia page for what phobia? (laughs) Amelia. Arachnophobia. Yes. This piece of information keeps getting added and deleted. A certain U.S. president shares his birthday, February 12th, 1809, with Charles Darwin. Which president is the subject of this worthless Piece of trivia. Monica. Lincoln. Lincoln is correct. Since this name is shared by a U.S. state and a country that spans Europe and Asia, a long-running edit war is over which article should be considered the primary topic and thus show up first in search results. Monica. Georgia. Georgia, correct. Should this band, fronted by Fred Durst, be labeled in Wikipedia as new metal slash rapcore band, or rather as a rapcore slash new metal band? Monica. I don't know. (laughs) Lint Biscuit. I'm sorry, the answer is who cares? Fair point. Fair point. But you are completely right. Limp Bizkit is correct. This Florida city, the southernmost city in the continental U.S., briefly declared succession in 1982 to form the so-called Contrapublic. The edit war was over whether the Contrapublic be listed as an independent country. What is the name of the city? Amelia. Oh, I didn't think my buzzer would work. Um... <laughs> Uh, is that what it comes down to now? That people are just like, the I don't keys? even know of this. <laughs> the Florida Keys. Yes, yeah, yeah? very good. We're taking Correct it. Correct answer. Correct. Yes. Yay. <laughs> this is your last question. A certain late night television host attempted to get on South Carolina's presidential ballot in 2008. An edit war ensued over whether he was a legitimate presidential candidate. Who was he? Amelia. Stephen Colbert. That is correct. Hazagur John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? Well, Afira, if you look up winner on Wikipedia, you'll be redirected to the page for Amelia. Congratulations. Please welcome our next two contestants, Matthew Brozick and Marcos Dinnerstein. Marcos, professional ballet dancer for 20 years. Uh, do you still dance for fun? No, not really. No, you're like, move it on. Moved on. Uh, Matthew, you were a writer of a humor book series, the government manual for all kinds of different things. New superheroes. I can answer this one. I am the co-author of a trilogy of humor books, the government manual for new superheroes, for new wizards, and for new pirates. Mm. This is one of our favorite games that we're about to play. It's called This, That, or the Other. 
Jonathan Colton, would you like to take over? I would like to. In this game, we will name an item, and all you have to do is tell us to which of three categories that item belongs. Today's categories are world capitals, animals, and Lord of the Rings characters. (laughs) Puzzle guru John Chinesky, how about an example? If we said Aragorn, you might think it's an animal. But he's actually a character in The Lord of the Rings. In fact, he's a member of the Fellowship of the Ring. None of you are going to think that he's an animal, Yeah, duh. (laughs) Come on. Only a fool would think that Aragorn was an animal. No offense to anybody who thought that Aragorn was an animal. We're going to alternate questions between the two of you, so I'm sorry. No use of the buzzers is required. Just tell us, is it a world capital, an animal, or a character from J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings? Are you ready? Yes. Ready. We're going to start with Marcos. Marcos, this one is for you. Elrond. I'll go with Lord of the Wings. You are correct. (laughs) Matthew. Dugong. World capital. No, I'm sorry. It's an animal. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I would not want to live in Dugong for the... (laughs) But it would, it's sad being an a, animal. A dugong is kind of like a manatee, related to the manatee. Oh, everybody yeah. thinks manatees are adorable. Marcos, Kigali. I'll stay with Tolkien characters. No, it's a capital. That's what I meant. It's the capital of Rwanda. Matthew. Yes. Gimli. Oh, Tolkien character. Yes, you are correct. A dwarf. Marcus, Markor. Animal. You are correct. It is an animal. It is some kind of crazy goat with crazy horns. That's what the Wikipedia says. Okay. I like Marcos. He's basically surprised by all answers. <laughs> right? You were like surprised. Life like, is wondrous. Know. I know. It's funny. <laughs> Matthew. Tallinn. Tolkien character. No, it's a capital. It's the capital of Estonia. Uh, this, this is for you, Marcos. Yerevan. <laughs> Tolkien. No, it's a capital. <laughs> capital of Armenia. Tallinn is the capital of Estonia. Yerevan is the capital of Armenia. These are the things that we're learning. Matthew. Yes. Isildur. <laughs> Tolkien character. Yeah! (laughs) Marcos, Commodore. It's a world capital. No, it's an animal. (laughs) Uh, They're very hairy sheepdogs. Matthew. (laughs) Yes, Jonathan. Nilgai. I haven't said animal yet, so I'll say animal. <laughs> it's, yes, it's an animal. Well done. All right, this is your last set of questions. Everybody's going to be very sorry to hear that the game is about to end, but it's true. Marcos. Oogluk. Tolkien. Yes. He was the, he was the leader of the Urukai, of course. All right, Matthew. Bunder Seri Bagawan. Is that hyphenated? 
No. Bunder Seri Bagawan. World capital. Yes, it is the capital of Brunei. Well done. John Chinesky, do you remember last year when we started this game? Because I don't remember. Because you blacked out? <laughs> well, I'm happy to say we can crown Matthew the winner of that game. Congratulations, Matthew. Great game. Matthew, you'll be moving on, and we'll see you at the end of the show. Coming up, Jonathan Colton will bring us back to a simpler time where, if you liked a movie, you would go to the mall and buy the soundtrack. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Thanks for listening to Ask Me Another. Did you know that there are lots of other NPR podcasts out there that you'd enjoy? Like Pop Culture Happy Hour. Pop Culture Happy Hour features spirited discussions of movies, books, TV, and nostalgia. (sighs) Find NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour on iTunes under Podcasts. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. Hey, I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. But let's welcome our very important puzzler, Emily Nussbaum. So what, what are you watching now that you're crazy about? Um, the Good Wife. Yes. Um, uh, let's see, Broad City I'm really into right now. Um, I'm, I came late to Adventure Time, but I just binge-watched Adventure Time, which is really fantastic. When you're reviewing uh, new series, is there, do you have a specific standard that you hold them up to? Like, you know, Golden Age of Television started with Sopranos or The Wired. Like, are you thinking about shows that you're like, this is the, the top of the pile that I will... It, I mean, it's hard to say. I just try to figure out whether I like it. It just sounds stupid. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't have a particular mathematical algorithm for what I'm comparing it to. I mean, I do tend to favor things that are trying to do something new on TV, I hope. Um, even, and sometimes those are the shows that feel off-putting and disorienting, like Louie, or shows that do things that haven't been done previously so people don't know how to watch them. So I try to find those kinds of shows. But I, I've changed my mind about things a million times, so I don't trust my own judgment. No. <laughs> That's a good way to be for a critic. I like that. Do you would ever think I, I should write a series? Sure. You no. Do you think you should oh, write a oh, series? I'm sorry. I oh, that's very nice. I thought, oh. I thought you were asking whether you should write. No, a series. I'd like to do one too. I'd like to do one too. Actually, I want to write one. Do you think I should write a series, Emily? Okay. Okay. I know. Since we have you here, here's my idea. So there's this girl. She hosts an NPR show. No. No. Do you ever? Because you have no. such knowledge. Yeah, I have no interest in writing a television show. All right, so here's my pitch. No. But you are very active on Twitter, and that, uh, it kind of informs some of the stuff that you write for The New Yorker. Could you just talk a little bit about your yeah, relationship? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I find Twitter really fantastic for talking about television specifically, because I feel like 
for one thing, it's a great way to procrastinate while I'm trapped at home and unable to write things. But then also, I feel like it gives me access globally to people who are excited about a lot of the same shows that I'm interested in, but see them from very different perspectives. I mean, there are people within The New Yorker who are interested in television, but there isn't a huge range of POVs in the same way. And there's this sense where I talk to people from other countries just you know, occasionally I'll throw something out and just say, "What should I be watching that I'm not watching?" And I feel like I get all sorts of input. But also, I talk with other critics. It's a way of brainstorming. It's a way of goofing around and being funny. I, I feel more linked to other people watching. I mean, it makes TV into a social experience in a different way. So, are you uh, often live tweeting during a show? I feel really ambivalent about it because I do occasionally do this, and I think it's a terrible thing to do. So, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, there are shows that I would never live tweet during that are very visual shows but I have to admit that there are shows that are made for live tweeting like Scandal particularly is a show that that that's the point of watching it to me is like it's a great to have a conversation yeah it's fun I mean it's like hooting in a movie theater or something and so that one not that I hoot in movie theaters but um (laughs) Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I haven't made up my mind about it, but it, it seems it does seem a little bit troubling because it means that you're looking up and looking down, and I try to focus. Right, and but some, when you were throwing things out, like I love this idea uh, that you were starting a conversation about a certain female archetype on television, and you were like, I need a name for this kind of spunky yet unsettling female character that, you know, and what, what should we call this person? And someone on Twitter, actually. Yeah, the hummingbird. Yes. I, I was talking about characters. I mean, and somebody suggested calling it the Diane Chambers because she was sort of the original the first hummingbird. one. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, I, I was excited about Enlightened, which if, I was, if it was on right now, I'd be evangelizing for it. But unfortunately, it was canceled. Um, but uh, that kind of um, tense but extremely idealistic female character who made people uncomfortable seemed to be on several different shows. And so, yeah, I brainstormed this name, and then I wrote this little mini-essay on it. Um, I was thinking of people like um, uh, Leslie Nope, um, a little bit Sue Heck on The Middle, which is another show I love. Um, I can't even remember what I was thinking because I was on Twitter, so it was right, that right. Story, it's a yeah, whole bunch of things. And then and someone, okay, awesome. We are going to put you in the puzzle hot seat just in a little while, uh, and we're going to talk about more of your uh, your beginnings in your television career, the show that started it all. But right now, you're going to help us out with our next game. So, hello, caller. You're on Ask Me Another. Hi, this is Anne Young in Oakland, California. And would you describe yourself as a uh, TV fanatic? Yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, what, uh, what's something that you're watching right now that maybe you would be a little hesitant to tell a large group of people? Oh, um, oh gosh, Squidbillies? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's a ridiculous kind of adult swim show. It's animated and there's this, it's set in Georgia and it's, it's hillbilly squids. <laughs> Sort of writes itself. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, I love Squid, uh, so I would watch that. Um, Emily, have you watched? I, I haven't, and I keep being told to watch more things on Adult Swim. Yeah. So that, that sounds great. That's amazing. <laughs> I did not know you were going to say that, Anne, or anything like that. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, now, sure. I'm here with Emily Nussbaum, the television critic for The New Yorker, and this game is called Guilty Pleasures like the one we just found of yours. Uh, So we're going to have Emily read excerpts from her New Yorker reviews of recent television shows, and all you have to do is identify the show in each clue, and if you get enough questions correct, we are going to send you a prize. Oh, okay. Yeah? 
So Emily wrote this about a show that debuted in 2012. Popping with colorful villains, vote-rigging conspiracies, waterboarding assassinations, montages set to R&B songs, and the best gay couple on television, the president's chief of staff, Cyrus, and his husband, James, an investigative reporter, the series has become a giddy, paranoid fever dream, like 24 crossed with the West Wing lit up in neon pink. (laughs) Scandal! That is correct. <laughs> Somehow you made that an eight-syllable word. That was fantastic. I, so I, I will admit, I have not watched Scandal. Uh, I know, relax, everybody. Oh, my God, the letters we're going to get. Uh, but I have friends who have become better friends because of their shared love of that show. It is, you talk about this crazy addiction thing. That is a, that is a prime example of it, right? Yeah. Just start binge-watching, starting with season two. Starting with season that's two? that's where really, like jumps up yeah I'm like, oh i disagree oh. i mean i'm not a critic or anything but you know i like the first season the first season was trashier i feel like trashier <laughs> um, high standard um yeah uh, steamier steamier all right here's your next clue This sitcom is about a 30-something yuppie who is convinced that she's Sandra Bullock or Meg Ryan. Yet despite her insistence that she is gorgeous and sexy, a petite Asian woman, Dr. Lahiri is no catch-out of central casting. She's pugnacious, she's self-centered, she's helplessly shallow. Yet she has the nerve to insist she's the star of her own story anyway. The Mindy Show. We'll take it. It's the Mindy Project. Very good. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll clap for that. (laughs) You can clap for that, yes. In the fall of 2013, Emily wrote this. To my surprise, my favorite new network drama is a show that looked like the worst idea ever. It has sexy witches, four white birches that represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and dialogue like belief is sanity, Lieutenant. Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Nice. And you watch that? Yes, and I, that would also be a guilty pleasure, I would say. And the female star is dating Michael Fassbender, which I think about a lot when I'm watching it. A little jealous. <laughs> See, everyone has their own reason for enjoying a show. <laughs> All right, and this is your last question. Okay. In this HBO series, clever people take turns admiring one another. They sing arias of facts. They aim to remake TV news. This is a new show, and there are new rules, a Maverick executive producer announces several times in several ways. Their outrage is so inflamed that it amounts to a form of moral eczema, only it makes the viewer itch. Ooh, burn. (laughs) What do you think, Ann? Is it the newsroom? Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. We're going to send you an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, and we'll see if Emily might like to sign it or something like that for you. Thank you so much oh, to awesome. Emily. We'll see you later in the show for your own challenge. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Do you maybe have a landline phone sitting right next to your black and white TV? Why not use it to compete on Ask Me Another? That's right, you can join us from the comfort of your couch, so hit pause on your VCR, boot up that Commodore 64, and send an email to askmeanother at npr.org.
Let's meet our next two contestants, Tim Huff and Jack Burke. So we have a robot expert and a professional drummer here. I feel like you guys have a lot in common in your own way. So, Tim, you have a degree in cognitive robotics? That is correct. And what exactly is cognitive robotics? Cognitive robotics is basically robots with, like, where you can use the human mind thought to control the body parts. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool stuff. So, um... Tell me, are robots here to destroy us or make our life better? I think they are here to destroy us. Okay, good. Uh, Jack, you are visiting. Where are you visiting from? South Carolina? I am. And you are a drummer in a band? I I play in a lot of different bands. I freelance. Oh, okay. So you're actually very... Then you're amazing because you can play in all kinds of different outfits. Yes, exactly. I'm going to call upon our house musician, Jonathan Colton, to lead this game because it's called I Sense a Theme Music... That's right. And for this game, we're going to ask you to name famous films that you identify when I sing a song that was featured in the film or on that film's soundtrack. So to help you out, we've changed the lyrics to be about the film. For a bonus point, give us the name of the song after you state the movie. And if you don't know it, your opponent can steal. Revving up your jet plane, baby, you're ready to go. Maverick versus Iceman, Goose is dead, baby, oh no. Jack. Top Gun. Top Gun is correct. You know the name of the song. Do I? <laughs> Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. Yeah. Here we go. This policeman's girl. He can't be beat. Far from home. Detroit's mean streets Someone killed his friend So he had to go Now he's in L.A. Is that Bronson Pin show In this 80s film Tim The Heat is on, uh, Beverly Hills Cop That's right, both correct Here we go Look into this film You will find A folk tale from olden times Kevin Costner says How do you do? I'm a noble thief Here to rob you Don't tell me That Costner's accent's fake Watch this film with you. Jack. That's uh, Robin Hood. Oh, we do we need, have to say the whole We need uh, more than just Robin Hood. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? That'll do it, yes. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jack. Uh, and then Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you. That's right. Wow. Absolutely right. Yep. How do I... Get that big jet plane to land It's 
my job to make sure none of the prisoners leave. Oh my, Nick Cage is on the plane, he's in a mood. The rest are real bad dudes. If they get wings. Baby, they would take away everything good in your life And tell me now How can we stop that airplane? Jack I got the movie, but I don't have the song uh, <laughs> Somebody's very disappointed in you, Jack Oh. The movie is Face Off Oh Sorry, that's incorrect, Jack. Sorry. Tim, do you know do you know the name of the movie? Con Air. Do you know the name of the song, Tim? I don't remember the name of the song, though. Uh, is Jack allowed to steal this uh, this point? Even though I don't, I don't know the song, definitely. Oh, he doesn't know the song. All right, who I'm knows the song? We got the audience steal. You angry lady? What's the name of the song? Leanne <laughs> Rhymes. How do I live? That's right, Leanne Rhymes. It was business at first, but it's real love now. You charged me three grand, it was worth it somehow. You bought a nice dress, so you're all classy now. You can get off the streets, no more fooling around. Jack, pretty woman. Pretty Woman is correct. Do you know uh, the it, name of the song? It must have been Love. I don't know the artist. It must have been Love. I don't know the artist. Do I have to know the artist? You're right. No, you don't must have to name the artist. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Must have been Love. Yeah. Roxette was the name of the artist. Roxette. Roxette. There you go. This is your last song. Oh. Don't blame it on Chris Pan. Oh, his dad's a real strict man. Bacon, there is no more dancing band. Oh, maybe he's no Barishnikov, but he sure can't take his sweatshirt off. Oh, 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 let's hear it for his abs. Tim. Footloose, let's hear it for the boy. Absolutely correct. John Chinesky, how'd they do? They did fantastic. Jack was the winner of that game. Congratulations, Jack. Jack, you'll be moving on to our final round coming at the end of the show. Coming up, we'll quiz our VIP, Emily Nussbaum, about one of her all-time favorite shows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and let's say hello to Jenny Klein and James Van Aken. (laughs) 
Holmes, you work at the Statue of Liberty? Yes, I do. I'm the uh, audio tour site manager there. It's pretty cool. I get to take a boat to work. It's like living at Staten Island without having to live on Staten Island. (laughs) Jenny, you are a law clerk at a courthouse. That's correct. What kind of law are you dealing with mostly? Everything. Everything? It's a federal court, so any kind of case that can come into federal court. Do you take a boat to work? No. No, not yet. That's a shame. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This game is called Compound Fractures which means it's time for a nerdy word game. It's a little nerdy. As you know, compound words are formed by combining two words, like dragonfly or milkshake. But sometimes words only look like they're compound words. Puzzle guru John Chinesky, this might be a good time for an example. Sure. If we said, this floor covering is formed by combining a common vehicle with the family dog, the answer would be carpet, which is the word car, plus pet. That is not, of course, the (laughs) derivation of the word carpet. No. (laughs) So we're looking for the full word, okay? This place where you can pick apples is formed by combining a Dungeons & Dragons monster with a word meaning difficult. James. Or card orchard. Orchard is correct. That's right. This synonym for look for is formed by combining a liquor distilled from sugarcane with a kind of sorcerer or wizard. It's the kind of liquor you might add to Coke to make a Cuba Libre. James. Rummage. Rummage, exactly. This word meaning disease is formed by combining a folksy term for mother plus a synonym for woman. Jenny. Malady. Malady, that's right. Ma and lady. This classy word for outstanding is formed by combining a slang term for a replacement teacher with a green citrus fruit. James. Sublime. Sublime is correct. This word meaning a shortage is formed by combining the mark left over from a healed wound with a big town or municipality. James. Scarcity. Scarcity, yes, or scar city. I don't want to live in scar city. I don't want to, but it sounds like kind of a tough guy thread, like, we'll see you at scar city, right? Like, it sounds like, yeah. You're going to take the express bus to scar city. (laughs) Exactly. These microscopic organisms eaten by many marine animals are formed by combining something a pirate might ask you to walk on with a unit of measure. Jenny. Plankton. Plankton, exactly. I like that this says uh, a pirate might ask you to walk on. They're very nice about it. They're always very like, just a request. (laughs) Exactly. This type of allegory or fable is formed by combining a good golf score with a word meaning competent to do something. Parable? Parable is correct. All right, this is your last clue. This person who can read minds is formed by combining the name of a South Korean pop singer with a French word for fancy. James. Psychic. Exactly, psychic. Psy and chic. That was a good one. John Chinesky, how did our contestants do? Our compound fractures winner is James. 
big hand for J.D. and James. Please welcome back our very important puzzler, Emily Nussbaum. So of all the shows that you've been obsessed with over the years, the number one is... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> okay. You've even described your initial uh, excitement about television as, as Buffy-oriented. Yes, it's true. Buffy was the first show that I became not just like, ah, I like that show, I enjoyed watching that show, but I actually became like a deranged fan that would frighten people involved with the show. But what is it about it exactly that spoke to you? Um, I think I was excited by the fact that it, 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 it was this combination of things. It looked like a very junky show and like a silly show, and yeah. it combined all of these different genres. <laughs> it, it looked like it, it, was, it was a low-budget show that was not pretentious and was funny and silly, but then the more it went on, the deeper it got, and the more I was crying and discussing it maniacally with everyone, and the more it had this kind of operatic beautifulness and just deep themes in ways that when you tried to describe them to other people, they would think you were crazy. It was this very, you know, it was this very original combination of things that I'd never seen on television before. Joining us via the magic of technology, uh, let's say hi to Tom Lank, who played Andrew on Buffy. Hello. Thanks for having me. Tom, thank you so much. So, Emily asked for a quiz about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and we have something that we've written up called If the Apocalypse Comes, Beep Me. Tom, uh, you played Andrew. Now, Andrew was a part of the trio, a group of nerds who became supervillains. Would you describe yourself as a nerd in real life? Um, I am, I think, nerdy about other things. Uh, My character was specifically obsessed with you know, comic books and Dungeons and Dragons. I'm more of a sort of a theater nerd and a comedy nerd. I like, I'd like different things. Uh, do you still get fan letters and emails from uh, people that want to talk to you about the show? I think technology has surpassed the, the fan letter, right? I think now it's Twitter. I think people Are there now t- they, they send a tweet. Recently? Like yesterday? No, I mean like in general. I'm, very, I'm <laughs> yes. huge on Twitter. I'm just okay. letting you know. Uh, <laughs> So uh, you are going to be like Emily's lifeline. We are going to ask her questions, and if you have any trouble, you can always confirm. I'm the worst lifeline, by the way. I'm the worst. <laughs> They've made a poor decision because <laughs> I don't know if I can remember that long ago because I, typ- I typically don't, you know, rewatch things I'm on. I mean, wouldn't you love it if I just was lounging in a, a bathroom watching old episodes of myself, <laughs> just having some Chardonnay and just enjoying myself? In many ways. <laughs> so if you guys get enough right, Roz Dempsey in Hawthorne, New York, is going to get a special Ask Me Another prize, okay? One of the most beloved characters on the show was Spike. Andrew. <laughs> was Andrew. <laughs> One of the other most beloved characters on the show was Spike. He was a British vampire who, over the course of the series, goes from Buffy's enemy to ally to lover. Uh, He may have killed two slayers, but he's quite a romantic and has odd hobbies, such as watching what campy NBC soap opera? Passions. Passions, yes! 
I literally just watched that episode today. So you watched that today? I watched something blue where he's talking about he's desperately he's trapped in a bathtub and he's desperate to watch Passions. So <gasps> that is the most unbelievable part of this entire series that he likes that show. This question's about you. Andrew was probably the least evil of the nerd trio. He kept having to remind everybody about the evil thing he did in high school, but for some reason, Buffy and her friends never seemed to remember it happening. What, Emily, did Andrew say was his evil claim to fame? I know did you release, I remember it. Did you release wild monkeys or something? Was it? Yes, demon flying demon monkeys to, at the prom or something like that. Yes. You said, so you released demon flying monkeys at the prom and they never remembered yes, it. Yes, but I only talked about it. It was just uh, alluded to the fact that I had done that. We didn't actually see flying demon monkeys. You just have to use your imagination. There was a vampire with bleached hair, okay? Isn't that enough? <laughs> All right, well, you guys got that one right collectively. Well Go done. Go team! Team Emily! The episode titled Hush was nominated for an Emmy Award for its writing. For the majority of the episode, what unusual thing happens? Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a gimme? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's called Hush. Yes. They all can't speak during, the entire, during most of the episode. Right. So wasn't that insulting to the writers to be nominated for an Emmy Award? It was very visually beautiful. I have not seen the episode. It is fantastic. It's a good standalone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, I wasn't in that one, but I hear it's pretty good. <laughs> the show did a musical episode called Once More with Feeling, where Sunnydale denizens break out into song and dance, not just for kicks. It's the work of a Broadway-loving demonic force, naturally. Do you know that one? Uh, it's going to be exciting, because you're going to finish the lyrics. Oh. Every single night, the same arrangement. I go out and fight the fight. Still I always feel this strange estrangement Nothing here is real, nothing here is right I've been making shows of trading blows Just hoping no one knows that I've been Going through the motions That's right! (laughs) That was strangely satisfying. And beautifully sung! Nice job! I I applaud your efforts. (laughs) Buffy characters hang out, go on dates, and occasionally battle at a Sunnydale dance club called The Bronze. Oz, a laconic werewolf played by Seth Green, has a band that frequently plays at The Bronze. What is the name of the band? It is called Dingo's Ate My Baby. Awesome name, yes. Did you know that one? Nerve Herder? I don't know. What? (laughs) (laughs) What did they sing? Did they do the, the theme? They do the theme song. Okay. All I know is Nerf Herder, Chibo Mato, and Dingo's Ate My Baby. All right, this is the final question. Finally, in season two, another slayer named Kendra gives Buffy her trusty steak. What is the steak's name? Dear, I mean, I know it. I know it. I think I know it. Okay, Andrew, say it. Um, st- uh, stabby? Mr. <laughs> I, think it, I, think, I think it's Mr. Pointy. Mr. Pointy is oh, correct. <laughs> I ruined it. I'm sorry. John Chinesky, Puzzle Guru, how did our VIP and Lifeline do? Emily and Thomas slayed it. They got them all right. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you for playing Emily Roz Dempsey in Hawthorne, New York, is going to receive a Rubik's Cube. And let's hear it for our Lifeline, Tom Link. 
thanks one more time to our VIP New Yorker TV critic, Emily Nussbaum. We are now going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from This Means Wiki War, Amelia Golini. From This, That, or the Other, Matt Brozick. From I Sense a Theme Music, Jack Berg. And from Compound Fractures, James Van Aken. Our puzzle guru, John Chinesky, will take us through the final round. This final round is titled, P.S. I Love You. The final round is sort of a postscript to our show, so it's fitting that this game is all about the letters P and S. All the answers will have the initials P.S. For example, if I asked for a device used to maintain a graphite writing utensil, you'd say pencil sharpener. Now, we're playing this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. Remember, every answer will be a two-word name or phrase with the initials P.S., Here we go. Amelia, this man has won several Emmy Awards for hosting Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak. That's right. Matt, something you might see a lot of on the TV shows Nip Tuck or The Real Housewives of Orange County. Plastic surgery. That's right. Jack. A notice that an employee might receive to tell him he's been laid off is sometimes called this. Pink slip. That's right. James. A puree of green legumes that sometimes split. Pea soup. Yes. Back to Amelia. Amelia, while visiting Seattle, you can go whale watching in this body of water that feeds into the Pacific Ocean. Puget Sound. Correct. Matt, according to its unofficial motto, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night can deter this quasi-governmental agency. Postal service. Postal service is right. Jack, it's when a lot of bad things happen at once, like in a 2000 movie starring George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Diane Lane. Three seconds. Jack, step aside. Let's see if James knows it. No. Three, step aside. Let's see if Amelia knows it. Perfect storm. Perfect answer. Way to go, Amelia. We're going to say goodbye to Jack and James. And we are quickly down to two contestants, to Amelia and Matt. Matt, you're next. A time-saving recap you might read on IMDb or in Cliff's Notes. Plot summary. Plot summary is correct. (laughs) Amelia, according to the band TLC, a scrub is someone who hangs out of this part of his best friend's ride. Passenger side. Passenger side is right. (laughs) Matt, in a biblical parable, a reckless deserter who comes back feeling sorry for what he's done. Prodigal son. Yes, that's correct. Amelia, a mythical substance believed to turn any metal into gold or silver or to make immortality possible. Philosopher's Stone? You got it. Philosopher's Stone. Matt, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for songs like When a Man Loves a Woman. Oh, Percy Sledge. Percy Sledge is correct. Well... 
I've used up all my questions. It's time to go to a tiebreaker. <laughs> Grab those buzzers. Here's our tiebreaker question. His most famous line from Dirty Dancing is, nobody puts baby in a corner. Amelia. Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze is correct. You are a winner. Congratulations. I love that she just curtsied and then went off. <laughs> Amelia, you are our big Ask Me Another winner. Congratulations. And as your grand prize, our VIP, Emily Nussbaum, has agreed to put her powers of argument and persuasion to use to defend your television guilty pleasure to your friends, co-workers, the Twitter universe, whoever you need to convince. So thanks one more time to our VIP New Yorker TV critic, Emily Nussbaum. And that is our show. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to be a contestant, just find us on Facebook or Twitter. Look around for NPR Ask Me Another. And you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is John Chinesky. Hey, my name is Alan Gransu. Oh, heck, ninjas. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now Jolta Cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung. With additional puzzle writing by Kyle Beakley, Josiah Madigan, Jess Miller, and senior writer Dan Schofield. Ask Me Another's produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, John Asante, Eleanor Kagan, and Annabelle Bacon, along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Moeller, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. on Ask Me Another, music legend Ian Mackay tells us about the etiquette of attending his punk rock shows, like No Fighting. It'd be like if I was having you over for dinner and someone starts stabbing you with a butter knife. I would encourage that person to stop, right? Punk rules. Join me, Ophira Eisberg, for NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Game on. Hey, you're still here? Very cool. Thanks for listening to Ask Me Another. You know, there are a lot of other NPR podcasts out there that you would enjoy, like one of my favorites, Pop Culture Happy Hour. What is that? You should listen. It features really spirited conversations about movies and books, television and nostalgia. So find NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour on iTunes under podcasts.